Welcome to the Feel Good Podcast with Kimberly Snyder. My goal is to help you develop a holistic lifestyle based on our four cornerstone philosophy, food, body, emotional well-being, and spiritual growth. This holistic approach will help you feel good, which I define as being connected to your most authentic, highest self. And this is the place from which your energy, confidence, creativity, true power, and true beauty will start to explode. Every week, we provide you with interviews from top experts in their field or a solo cast from yours truly to support you in living your most beautiful, healthy, and joyful life. I'm your host, Kimberly Snyder, founder of Saluna, New York Times bestselling author, and holistic wellness, nutrition, and meditation teacher. Let's get started. Namaste, loves, and welcome back to our Monday interview show where I am so thrilled to introduce our guest today. It's amazing conversation with Ismael Kala, who is a life and business strategist. He's an author. He was on CNN on Espanol for more than 15 years. He is the founder of the Kala Group, the Ismael Kala's Foundation. Just so many different ways he's expressed his incredible light and his creativity He is kind and brilliant and wise, and he talks about stepping away from this image of journalist and TV host into really following his heart and helping to expand his life and his personal involvement more. He is so inspiring, and I cannot wait to get into our show today. Before we do, just a little reminder to please leave us a review over on iTunes which is free and easy. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Give a little shout out as well for our fan of the week, which is Cindy Lou Ray. She writes, what a beautiful gift Kimberly has given us. This podcast has been such a wonderful addition to my life. I'm so glad I came across it. Kimberly shares her wisdom, support, and love with all of us. It is evident that her heart's desire is to have everyone live a healthy life of fulfillment and joy. What a blessing. Well, thank you so much, Cindy Lou Ray. My hands are on my heart. I appreciate this so much. I appreciate your review. So for everyone listening, for your chance to also be shouted out, I really just can't thank you enough for just taking that time, which really helps support the show and helps other beautiful souls find this information. As Cindy said, it really is our mission to just spread what's helpful, what's helped us. It's all about sharing. And it's all about our connection. Please also be sure to subscribe to our show. That way you don't miss out on any of these interviews or our Q&A a Thursday show. And please also share the show, which is just a great way to help others, to support. It could be a particular episode, like is my all's today? If someone needs some extra inspiration or just the show in general through a link or a screenshot. And my last announcement before we dive right into our interview is a reminder that the new book, You Are More Than You Think You Are, is out. And if you are a podcast listener, especially, I think you would love this very practical guide, which is about teachings and practices from the great masters before us to to tuning into our true self, to tuning into our true potential inside of us. So please check it out wherever books are sold. All right, all that being said, let's get into our interview with the wonderful, vibrant Ismael Kala. Ismael, first of all, I want to say that I love your name, right? Son of Abraham, like this biblical context. 
tell me a little bit about you know your 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 family. How did your family um, choose to name you this very strong, amazing name? <laughs> well, that's an interesting story that I really would like to discover by myself, Kimberly, because the only thing I know so far is that I'm the third Ismail. So ah. my grandfather coming from the Canary Islands in Spain, uh, probably went to Cuba or was born in Cuba from his father from the Canary Islands. And he was Ismael. And then my father was the second Ismael. And then when I was born, I was the first child. Um, I was named Ismael. So, but the wow. thing is that I had a nickname because we were three Ismael. So the nickname for my grandfather was Melo. Like mellow, but mellow. Okay. And it doesn't mean anything <laughs> in Spanish. It's just kind of a short name for Ismail. And then my father was Melito. And then when I was born, the third Ismail, I was Melitin. And it doesn't mean anything, but I got bullied a lot because it rhymes with a word that in Spanish is maletin, which is like a traveling bag. <laughs> so the other kids were saying, not Ismael, they were saying Maletin, which is actually, you know, kind of my nickname. And I felt so furious because I said, I'm not Maletin. And then when I, when I told John Maxwell, one of my mentors and friends, uh, and he said, Ismael, you were having fans, you know, <laughs> cheering, cheering you to have a traveling bag to go all over around, around the world. And I said, yes. But when I was a kid, it didn't feel that way, John. Now yeah. I can laugh at it, but that's the interesting thing. But I love my name because I discovered that in Hebrew, Ismael means God listens to you. And wow. I, I believe that that's powerful because I'm always trying to have a, pu a pure and, and, and highly intentional conversation with God. Which is one of the reasons I'm so fascinated with your work, Asmael, because we were connected through Deepak Chopra, our mutual friend. You've done a lot of collabs on the app. I wrote a book with Deepak and now I'm also working on the app. And they said, oh, you should have him on the podcast. And you <laughs> just mentioned this is only your second English podcast, which yes. really surprises me because your fluency in English is so beautiful and, and flowing. I know you do so much in the, you know, Espanol world, but it just, it's surprising that you're not doing more English podcasts. Well, the, the, the thing is that probably, you know, I, I have so much, I think, to add value and to contribute with, with the, the Hispanic community, within the Hispanic community that uh, sometimes I say, wow, I, I don't know if I, if I go into English, Will I be able to reach more people because I'm so entertained doing so many things in Spanish? But to tell you the truth, because I, I would like to be honest, you know, uh, sometimes when you have your own insecurities and English for me was a major point of insufficiency because I learned English when I was already 29 and ah. I got from Cuba to Toronto. So it was a second language that, you know, at the beginning I said, well, I will always have an accent. I will never sound like a native. And I believe myself that that was going to be a limiting belief until I said, well, it doesn't matter. You have your accent. You are from Cuba. You are Latino. It doesn't matter. And actually Deepak was a major breakthrough when he told me, Ismael, the accent doesn't matter. You know, I'm from yes. India. I will always yes. be from India. What matters is the message, is the energy, is the intention. Mm. 
And, and that's what I'm doing now. And I have to thank Deepak and Malika and you and Debbie Brown, <laughs> the whole Deepak ecosystem, because you guys have given me a platform and, 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 and a tribe and actually a sense of belonging to a special group of people. So I'm, I'm very grateful. Oh, it's amazing, Asmael. And, and, you know, just your work, like your energy, it's so palpable. There's so much love. You, you, you talk a lot about consciousness and purpose, which we'll get about in just a moment. But then there's this other part of your career, which is fascinating to me, where you are in the news cycle. You have a show on CNN and Espanol. So sometimes we think, you know, there's this, ex, you know, this external, this, you know, being in the, in the world and the news and what's happening. And then there's the internal space of meditation. And like you said, connecting with God, but you found a way in daily life to merge, which I think is really important to share, to show there is this oneness. It doesn't have to be opposing, right? So can you share a little bit about you are in this day-to-day happenings, being on camera, sharing, being on people's TVs, you know, this very sensory part, but yet you are so connected to source and spirit and take that with you. Well, it's, it's, it's a daily practice because I'm not saying that it's easy. Actually, you know, I, I, I was on CNN for 15 years and now presently I'm taking a break And I said, you know what? I'm going to just pause for a moment. And I believe that actually it's very important that as journalists, as communicators and people with the responsibility of spreading the news, we understand the nature of news. And then I understood that the nature of news, it's really toxic because if if it's the worst of the human brain, if it's the negativity bias that every brain has. And it's, it's sad, but if you walk into a newsroom, you will lead, um, the meeting and you will say, Hey, what's the headline today? If it bleeds, it leads. And you know, oh, that's, God. yeah, that's exactly what you will hear in a newsroom because, well, it's a front page. It's, it's, you know, the, the opening of a newscast. It's always the bloodiest event that happened that day. However, I understood that that was a space for me to bring light mm-hmm. and, to be more and to be more balanced. And I was doing it. And, it. and I was very successful because a lot of people felt that even on CNN, a news channel, we were creating a space, kind of a bubble for positive information, for constructive dialogues relevant to the news and going to the future not only with not, not always speculating about reality but building a better mm. but to tell you the truth I, I i was like saying i need a lot of more space for me to grow to travel the world to understand um time and consciousness so i quit it and it was a very painful process for my ego <laughs> But I listened, I listened to my soul because I said, what is my purpose? And my purpose at this moment is really to get to know myself a lot mm. better. And I'm taking a break. I'm not saying that I will never go back to the news. Probably will happen. Actually, during um, the pandemic, I did um, a filling in for someone on the prime time of Mega TV here in the United States, a national network. And I liked it. But at this moment, I think I have 
lots of uh, lots of things that Ismael really would like to discover about himself, about human beings, about how we work, psychology, all those former cornerstones of your podcast that I love, I love. philosophy, and that I really would like to get more knowledge and practice and control of that. Wow. I mean, I, I just want to acknowledge you to to step out the strength and the courage mm -hmm. and really letting your heart lead, like you said, versus your head. And I want to share with you, Esmeralda, I, I went through a similar thing some years ago, um, where I started my career just, you know, I was backpacking and then I came back and I started writing and everything was flowing and I didn't have any sort of intention. But mm -hmm. then a celebrity found my work and then suddenly I got on a film set and then everything just sort of cascaded. I started working with celebrities for many years and helping them and being on film sets and going to premieres and media trips. And I would often say, why am I in this world? Because I don't watch movies all the time, right? I wasn't intending this. But like you said, it was just like, oh, my light, I can bring a lot of love here. But then at a certain point, everybody would say, oh, that's so cool. You're working with such and such. But then I got pregnant with my first son. And then I felt this shift. Oh, I want to share with more people. I can focus on my books and reach more people in the work online. And it was that painful because the ego is like, oh, you're letting go of this part of being Hollywood and the celebrity wow. part, right? But then it was like, this just doesn't feel right. It's like when the turtle or the snake has outgrown the, 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 you know, the, the shell or the yes. skin. And even though the outside is saying, but it should be this way, the more we connect to spirit coming up inside of us, we just know <laughs> we let that heart start to leave because it's like, otherwise we start to feel really stagnant if we stay in the exactly. box. And actually in one of your episodes, I listened that you were saying how you built a beautiful and productive concept of success. Mm. And that exactly resonated with me because, you know, before I felt that I was a success according to people's approval. Yeah. You know, I was, a, I was a success if the show was number one on CNN. I was a success if my books were bestsellers. I was a success, you know, always by external yes. validation. And then when I decided to quit CNN, you know, something magical happened. Somebody came to me and said, well, Ismael, it's a professional suicide what you're doing. Because let me tell you. People read your books because those three letters of the brand that you represent, nobody will read your books. Ugh. You know, people will go, go to your seminars and they go to your conferences because who you are through the TV screen. And then, you know, he continued mentioning that it will go like as a ghost disappearing. Oh. And I said, thank you so much for sharing your fears with me. Right. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is a God-sent confirmation that I have to quit right now. Oh, I love it. I love yes. <laughs> yes. Because if you allow people or yourself to buy into the fears that your success is just outside or whatever you're, you're having outside of your essence, you know, you will, you will be dead. I mean, and, and, and it was interesting because I had fear and my ego and my mind said, remember, probably this is a professional suicide. And I have to tell people this because, you know, when you have that audacity of even working through your fears and having decisions that are heard from the heart, I think that is a reward that is 
amazing. It's infinite. And I feel so much happier, connected, mm-hmm. and, and actually real, genuine mm-hmm. now than when I was on television because I think that wow. I had a character, like a public character pretending to be a way, in a certain way, kind of a caricature of who I was, like a, you know, a role that I was playing. And now I feel that Ismael really is a person who understands his essence, his fears, his limitations, his challenges, and the desires of really knowing better who he is. And that's unbelievable. And that's yes. for me a success. You know, it's, it's yes. that path of knowing who you are with no conditions or no need of doing things at a certain way because you want people's approval to you. Yes, beautifully said this. Trying, like you were saying, that trying to have this image It's like the ego, right? This false identity. And it's so much energy to try to be a certain way, talk a certain way, get the achievements to support this versus melting into what the great yoga guru Paramahansa Yogananda calls the true self, where we just really step into that power of beingness. Can you share a little bit about some of your practices or some of the things that you teach in your seminars, in your books, in your work to make that journey, which some say is from the head to the heart. We can say it's from out here, you know, always in the peripheral nervous system to central nervous system, however we want to think of it, but it's into this more easeful way of living, like you said, which releases so much joy and so much peace. Yes. Well, you know, what I've, what I've done is everything that worked for me, a lot of people ask me when I published my first book, how possibly you did it. You know, a lot of people didn't know when I was on television that I was having an internal battle to really gain control of my mind and understand how the brain works. Why? Because I never shared before I wrote my first book in 2013 that I was coming from a family with mental or brain disorders, Mm -hmm. that I was coming from a family where my father suffered from schizophrenia, that -hmm. I was coming from a family that my grandfather uh, hanged himself and committed suicide. And also, that's what exactly my aunt did. And Mm. my father tried to do it. So I was like, you know, in a prison, not telling people what was my internal struggle until I decided that I wanted to write a book about the power of listening. And the book wrote wrote itself. Because Mm. I, I, I thought about writing as a journalist, you know, how to listen, how to create powerful conversations, how to create meaningful relationships. But then when I was writing the book, I said, no, 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 no. You have to really open the internal dialogue. The most important conversation that a human being has to heal is the private dialogue. You know, yes. conversation with that person inside listening when you're talking and nobody else is listening outside, yes. but there is somebody listening inside. So I opened the door. I talked about my struggle since I was a child. And then my first and only medicated treatment by a psychiatrist when I was 15 or 16 years old, and how then meditation and mindfulness was a way that I chose to really rewire brain, mindset, heart, lifestyle. And people were surprised because they didn't know. 
They thought yes. I had a perfect life. And then I said, well, mm. you know what? I'm going to teach what I what I've done. And that's what I teach people. I say, you know, you can call me a guru, but I don't consider myself a guru because I have a lot of things to learn. I'm, I'm a mortal human being that knows that if we invest time knowing ourselves, we can comprehend better what we are, understand us as processes, and then improve, change, elevate the state of consciousness that we have right now and make better decisions tomorrow than the decisions that I make today. So that's what I teach in our seminars or spiritual retreats. It's practical spirituality and meditation, grounding, Mm. Uh, how to use the language to create the reality that we would like to have and not to use language and energy just to recite the crisis and the limitations that we buy from the newscast. So, you know, all of this in probably three, four day uh, experiences that is beautiful. uh, And there are really uh, groups of very interesting human beings that Mm. are on the same vibrational frequency. Our powerful feel-good digestive enzymes formula helps to break down protein, carbs, and fat, helps to better utilize nutrients, preventing bloat, and getting the most nutrition out of your food. Take two to three right before lunch and dinner and boost your body's overall vitality and nourishment today. I'm here to share my podcast exclusive. Using code BOOSTHEALTH, get 20% off your first order at mysaluna.com. That's Boost Health for 20% off your first order today. It's so powerful because you were in that world, right? Mm-hmm. You were in the news. You were in this identity. You were in this seenness. Yes. This, you know, celebrity newscaster. And then you stepped into... So the message resonates even more powerfully. You showing yourself and those struggles, I think, to say, oh, wow, this is a guy just like all of us, because I do think in our society, we have this tendency to put people on pedestals. Yes. And the truth is, this you know, real equality, which society is yet to really fully grasp. I think that we're all drops of this universal God consciousness, whatever word you want to use. So even though some of us are more transparent, some of us have more, um, you know, teachings we have ex- mm-hmm. accessible, you know, we, are, we have access to, we're all equal, right? So we all share into this, journey and we just keep going and, and growing and and a lot of people like really don't understand how we get to a certain age as adults and we don't understand the world or we don't understand our world and i said well you know it's education education which is domestication really it's more to create productive beings for society but not like inner knowing of who we are. And yes. it's unbelievable because, you know, when, when we just put a mirror and people can really look into the mirror, they will see who they are with no judgment, with no labels, with no titles, who they are among the vibration that they will perceive receiving back from the mirror of what they are mm. radiating. And mm. That's exactly what we do. We just create spaces that people come to the Cala Center. I hope that you will come to Miami, to the Cala Center. I would love I'm to. That, I'm hoping that Deepa will come when this yes. is built also. 
and and you and Debbie and Malika and the entire family. Um, Amazing. Yeah, Deepak family, because this is a space here in Miami that we are building because we think, you know, um, Miami needs more spaces like this, nature and holistic growth. Mm. So I, I'd love to also hear about you, and I, I can't wait to come to the center. I was in Miami a few months ago and like super vibrant and alive. It had been a couple of years, so I can't wait to go back. And it's amazing that you're building that and we will definitely link and share you know, as it comes to fruition to support as much as possible. But also, Ishmael, I love that you talked about meditation because you and I were speaking about before the podcast started about, you know, the world of Espanol, the Latina culture you're in. My mother's from the Philippines. And so I grew up in a very Catholic upbringing, right? So there's like the love and the heart expansion of Jesus. And then there was a lot of, in my church anyway, a lot of ritual, right? And a lot of, you know, prayer, but I didn't necessarily have this inner stillness that I learned later in meditation. Mm. And so when I went to India, when I was backpacking, this is what started to open up my eyes to, oh, it's not opposing this oneness. I can pray, I can love Jesus, and I can still meditate, right? So yes. tell us about, first of all, your journey to these inner practices. And number two, how you explain to people that may have a more rigid concept of religion, spirituality, this is the way it's either through the church, which I have, I have these conversations all the time in Me our too. community versus, okay, <laughs> it's not opposing, right? Universal truth. We're all getting up to the top of the mountain of God. It's just different pathways. Well, you know, you just open an, an amazing and very complex topic for human beings. Why? Because a lot of people confuse religion with spirituality. Yes. And, and we have to understand that the religion always is going to be a powerful institution organized to kind of make us fit. Yes. With the story and with the commitments or decisions around that story. So, you know, I, I studied a lot this topic because in Latin America, there are so many people that really are so rigid with their mindset and are very, very, very well domesticated and indoctrinated about yes. who God is and who their God is. And I actually say to those people in Latin America, with all due respect, think, why are you Catholic? Think. Why are you Catholic? And a lot of people say, well, I'm Catholic because my father and my mom baptized me Catholic. And I said, yeah, you're right. Go centuries ago. Why are you Catholic being in Latin America? And they say, well, I, I don't go where you want to go. And I say, <laughs> you know, you have to come to Christopher Columbus, coming to the Americas, discovering the new world and bringing a religion that was mm. European, mm. was not American. When you, uh, when you understand the history yeah. and circumstances, you know, brought you a religion, you open your consciousness. Yes. You understand that you have no absolute right to think superior, you know, among other people and their point of view about who God is and their religion. Because really, religions here in America, Latin America, North America, 
were the aboriginal religions, you know? Yes. So, so that brought me a perspective of saying, you have to respect yes. how different people in different continents and places of this amazing planet, they tried to make sense of their spiritual sacred life bringing different understandings and deities and gods and goddesses to their consciousness. So for me, religion is how you organized a government of your spiritual life. And mm -hmm. spirituality is really the essence of who we are, no matter. doesn't matter if you are not religious or you are religious. So it's a conversation that a lot of people avoid. You know, I don't know what happens maybe in the Philippines, but in Latin America, you say, don't talk about politics. Don't talk about <laughs> sex or sexual orientation. Don't, don't talk yeah. about uh, religion. Don't talk about even sometimes soccer because those <laughs> topics will divide the family. Yes. And I, I say, yeah, that's true. But if we, if we have the mission of awakening consciousness, elevate consciousness, you cannot have a mind fragmented yes. by, like rigid dogmas that will make you do not open to the full understanding that you are a spiritual being regardless the story or the religion that you are playing in your mind. You're just a spiritual because you're sacred, because you're, you're part of this beautiful universe you are a spiritual because your matter your body it's really governed as albert einstein said by energy yes breathing. we're just you know? here we're alive and breathing and that's exactly, it exactly exactly so you know it's, it's 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 to make a distinction that it doesn't matter what my religious story is or even if i don't have any i yeah. am a very special, extraordinary, spiritual being. Mm. That's what counts. I don't need to go to church. I love going to temples and churches, yes. but I don't need to go to church to feel God and his presence yes. Yes. if I intervene because... <laughs> Well, it can't be separated, right? And so we were saying these narrow ideas, it's like cutting off the flow. And it's so interesting we're having this conversation this week because this week I reread the Tao Te Ching three times. Have mm -hmm. you read that book by Lao Tzu, which is really just about... But I will have to reread it because... I, you'll have to reread it now. <laughs> yeah, because it's one of those books that yes. every time that you will read the book, according to the place that you are... You it's so it's profound and it's really profound. Well, you know, and the things I, I used to not understand where it says do nothing and nothing gets undone. I used to think, what, what the heck does that mean? But it's like not being passive, but it's this this melding, like we say, where, where you just start moving from intuition from your heart. You just start melding so much. The decisions are sort of made from this internal place. And one of the central concepts, like you were saying, is we have to dissolve these ideas mm. that create so much judgment, which is ultimately rejection and separation. Otherwise, we never really get to that unbounded place of peace and joy. And so it is, it's really interesting. And I want to share this quick story with you. When I was backpacking Ishmael and I went to Cambodia, a very small village 
which yeah. is you know, mostly in the, the land of Buddhism. And I went to this place where the electricity was only one hour a day. Wow. And they had this lady in this cafe had this enormous TV. And I was like, what is going on? People didn't have, you know, devices and things. And she said sort of in broken English that this Catholic missionary had come and promised her a TV if she would believe in Jesus instead of Buddha. And Ooh. I was like, wow, you know, there's some of this mindset saying this way, this way, wow. this is the only way to salvation. Isn't that interesting? And I just sort of sat with that. I was like, wow, like they're really, wow. it goes deep, right? This thinking of one wayness goes really deep through. Yes. Well, you see, you see, I have a story with my mom. My mom was Catholic and she and my grandmother like kind of instilled in me the love for Jesus and obviously for the Virgin, the Virgin yes. Mary in the Cuban uh, national adored Virgin that is Virgen de la Caridad del Cobre. So I was born September 8th, the day of the Virgin. So imagine the devotion that wow. I feel. And you know what happened with my mom? Well, she was Catholic. And six or seven years ago, she went to uh, a Christian church, not a Catholic one. And she said, you know what, Ismael? I feel connected. I went to this church with uh, a friend and I felt so happy. And I said, it's your decision. You are an adult. But you see, interesting thing happened, Kimberly. I was, I was just in front of my mom when she came and she said, I'm now at the new church, but believe Ismael, something that I have to do. And I said, what's going on? And, and she said, well, my new church doesn't believe in images, mm. you know, in the statues of the saints. So I will have to throw them away. And I said, you know what, mom, I'm not ready for this. You do whatever you have to do, but don't tell me where you are going to put the statue of the Virgin because I, I can't even conceive and believe that you are throwing the statue of the Virgin away. I cannot, yeah. I cannot talk about all the saints, but about the Virgin. Come on. I was born yeah. that day. And she said, yes, but my new belief and my new <laughs> church don't believe in images. And I said, oh, wow. I thought that I was so open and non-judgmental, but I was confronted with my own limiting beliefs. So yeah. it's very interesting because we would like people to think the way we are and everybody has to kind of create his or her own philosophy. So that's very interesting. The missionary, you know, like exchanging Jesus with the television set. <laughs> So, so now let's talk about how you bring this into everyday life, Ismael, when you're having conversations, you know, and you work in the business world. And again, you're in the news cycle. So just you're encountering all sorts of people. And let's say, you know, there's just so much struggle nowadays with people having opposing beliefs and sort of, you know, being on one side or the other side. What are some of the ways that you teach people to stay in that peaceful center? We still want to stand up for what yes. we believe in that's aligned to our truth. But at the same time, like you said, you watch the mind, you watch the judgments come in and you sort of let people be where they are too. It's really hard sometimes, challenging. Yes. Well, you know, I always start with the beliefs 
on the rational minds because here in the Western world, we were educated with a limiting belief. You have to see it to believe it. It's yeah. kind of the science paradigm, you know? If you see it, if it's measurable, this exists. If it doesn't fit in, you know, in, in something that it could be really measured, it doesn't exist. So I start like kind of dissolving that paradigm and saying, hey, there are things that do, do, do not fit into the logical mind. You have to really come from the analytical mind to the heart. We have to really reconcile with intuition, with yes. the intelligence of the heart. And we do training, exercises, meditation really early in the morning, guided mm. meditations, doing this. It's kind of dissolving the importance of only using the analytical mind to really understand the world and to feel what we are, because that's fragmented. And it, a lot of people, you know, allow themselves to open the heart and create a compassionate, compassionate and generous and really, you know, like genuine contact with the heart. And I think that's love. Love, yeah. love should be the religion that every single human being practices every day. Unconditional love, loving what it is, accepting what it is. Even if I don't like, if it, I don't like it today, but I accept it. So I use my energy to create a response or a strategy to change it. I do an exercise that is really powerful, Kimberly, and that changed my mind. And I call it the morning vomit. I know oh. that the name is not that. <laughs> I'm fascinated now. Yes, tell us. <laughs> the name is not that glamorous, but the effect, the therapeutic effect of the exercise is powerful. Why? Because the brain... The brain doesn't have an automatic purging mechanism. The brain and the mind, because we have free will and our own, uh, our own uh, power of decision and election, you know, if we do, if we do not intentionally like throw away what we don't like, it will stay. In. Yes. So this morning vomit is just taking three pieces of paper and writing with your own hand whatever comes to your mind when you wake up. Mm. And it's unbelievable because it's not an essay. You have not tried. You can try to really, you know, kind of do this as if it was literature. This is just draining, draining, mm. like emptying your mind. And you can destroy the papers you can burn the papers, whatever you want to do with it. If you're afraid that somebody will uh, read the papers and say, oh my God, Kimberly's crazy. What is my has in mind? Oh, that, this is unbelievable. So you can destroy the papers. Yes. It's just to let it out because mm. whatever is circulating in your mind will come tomorrow, will come mm. in a week, will come anything that you don't throw away. And you write in a piece of paper, it will stay here. It's that your memory will kind of remember you that something is pending. And this is an exercise that is really powerful because it creates emptiness. And it yes. creates space for better thoughts, 
more creative thoughts and you are just like throwing or letting go repetitive thoughts. Wow. And this is one of the practices that I've been doing, especially after the pandemic. And now I'm writing poetry, mm. something that I didn't do since I was 11 years old. Why? Because I emptied, I emptied wow. the mind. And now, you know, inspiration is coming through and I'm writing poetry. It's, it's amazing. I didn't thought or I didn't think that I was going to be writing a poetry book. Not in my mind. Now you're writing a poetry book. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because, because it's so easy. Wow. It's so easy. I mean, I, I don't think even in the, in the topics, I'm just, just in harmony flow. Yes. And it's flowing and the words are kind of being dictated. And I just put it sometimes in myself. And it's unbelievable. So, uh, you know, people should try to do this at least for three, four weeks in a row. And you will see how creative we get. Wow. So when you're writing, when you're doing the morning vomit practice, are you doing it with the intention as you write, I'm clearing this out? Is there any of that? Or you're just writing it and that naturally happens? I just say to myself, I'm not going to censor anything that comes to my mind, even if it's the darkest thought, mm. even if it's the more obscure thought that I'm even afraid of saying out loud, I'm going to put it on this piece of paper because that's the effect of the exercise. If you're starting, you know, starting to select what you're writing and what you are not writing, this is not the purpose of the exercise. It's everything that comes to mind. And sometimes it's the same phrase 10 times because you know, sometimes when I did it, I said, oh, I don't want to write. I'm tired. I'm tired. I, I, I want to go back to bed. I'm tired. This was what came to my mind. I wrote it. Yeah. The paper. It's just creating space for the brain to be free and the mind to be like a, a, an oasis of free creativity. So this release, it's like you're writing it and you're releasing it from having to circle in the mind. Yes. Wow. And so do you destroy your papers or sometimes do you flip back through the old ones or do you think it's not necessary? You just, it's yeah. sort of past well, its time. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid that somebody will read this and judge yeah. me. So, you know, I collect them. Mm. I have them. And what I do is that after two or three weeks, I say, oh, let me see how was my crazy mind two weeks ago. Yes. And I just read as if I was reading something that doesn't really affect me with kind of distance, kind of, you know, a neutral approach. And wow. actually it's, it's, it's something that is interesting to me because I understand that my mind is not my true identity. It's yes. just part of my social constructed identity. So whatever is in my mind is just a photo of mm. an instant of that mind, but it doesn't mean that because I had a crazy thought or a very um, impoverished thought, I was poor. No, it's just that at that moment, that crossed my mind. That's it. So I don't take it personal. Wow. Well, that practice paired with meditation, right? Because for me, meditation is that distance, like you're saying, where you don't identify. It almost like meditation helps me slow down. 
So I'm like, wow, that's interesting that I'm telling myself that versus before where things are happening so fast. It feels like we're enmeshed. So do you do this practice before you meditate in the morning or after? Or well, does it matter? You know, I, I, did a, I did a trial period to see how it worked best to me. Yes. And I did it both ways. I meditated and then I did the morning vomit. But then I conditioned my morning vomit because meditation calmed me down. So a lot of things were out of the radar. So mm. when I did the morning vomit first, yes, I had a lot of more things coming out my brain, my mind, than if I did it after meditation. So that worked for me, doing the morning vomit first for 15 minutes, and then another 15, 20 minutes, a seated meditation or a dynamic meditation doing Qigong. Because, you know, I'm kind of hard with routines and doing mm. every day the same thing. So what I do is that I have like a couple of different kinds of meditations. And some days I do like seated meditations, a guided meditation. Some days I do tonglen meditation, the pain Buddhist meditation. Some days I do shikun meditations mm. that is more dynamic. And I'm combining different techniques that I've, I've learned over the years. So it seems like a nice ritual every single day and not something that I had to repeat yeah. almost in automatic. And is there something you do at the end of the day to sort of empty or center to help your sleep or just to feel peace at the end of the day in the whirlwind around being a lot of different people? Yes. I always ask myself, were you a success today? But I have to understand that a success to me is based on two personal evaluations. One, self-growth. Mm. I, I, I was a success today. Well, did I grow today? Yes, I did. I learned something new or I did something better than yesterday. So I think that I kind of evolved. Mm. I was a success. And second, contribution. Mm. Did I add value to some people today? Did I make the lives of other people better today? Did I serve? Yes. So I contributed. I added value. So I was a success. You know, so those are my two ingredients for my personal success formula. And that's what I ask myself every single day, because I think that every single day should count. You yes. should do something important with each day. And for me, something important is to really work on myself, growing expanding my state of consciousness, being present, and at the same time, giving myself to others in a service, you know, doing something for other mm. people. So I ask myself every single night that, and, and it's, uh, it's, it's been good because every single day, that's my intention at the beginning of the day. So I always do something mm. to make me feel happy and grateful when the day is over that I was a success that day. So, uh, you know, some days, I mean, if you're sick, probably that day you're just, you know, resting. That doesn't count. But still, you can be sick and you can learn something. And that oh. counts as partial success today. Well, I think that's so powerful because it's practical, right? It's like every day we're tuning into this and our purpose. So it's not these lofty ideas of, you know, five-year plan and then time keeps going and we yeah. haven't created what we want. But every day it's like moving us forward. 
Yes. And that's so important for people to have that, you know, that those concrete ideas. So Ismael, I feel like I could just chat with you all day. Your energy is infectious and I love that you're really just really being this embodiment of light and helping so many people in the world and both in the Spanish speaking community and the English speaking communities, especially. So tell us where we can find out more about your work. We will link to all your books in the show notes as well over at mysaluna.com. Yes. Well, actually I have a book in English. That's the only one uh, okay. translated, translated in English and uh, your community listening here and watching us could uh, actually get the book through Amazon and it's called The Power of Soul Listening. Ah. The Power of Soul Listening. That was my first book. It was re-edited and revisited. So it's really a wonderful book. And, and, and I think it's a very nice conversation because it's very intimate mm. and, and uh, full of anecdotes, personal anecdotes and reflections. So it's a nice book. The other books, we have to wait until they are uh, translated to English. Like, for instance, this is my latest book, Fluir para no sufrir, mm. flow, not to suffer, but it's only in Spanish Beautiful. for now. So Spanish listening. Um, well, we have a lot of Spanish, we have a lot of um, bilinguals, so we can okay, also we'll link to that as well. Okay, okay, so Fluir para no sufrir uh, is in Spanish, está en español, and you can follow me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. <laughs> I haven't started doing TikTok, but I have the account open. I know, I'm at the same Ismael Cala. <laughs> At Ismael Cala, on Twitter, at Cala. And um, my page, I mean, the portal on internet is ismaelcala.com. Thank you Wonderful. so much. Wonderful. And you'll list, when you have seminars and things, you know, yes. people will be able to yes. find you. We'll list all of this yes. in the show notes. And I will be with Chopra next year. You know, I'm oh. so excited. And at the same time, kind of closing a chapter because the Chopra Global announced that they will they will end this cycle yes. of um, of events, events of retreats, and I'm so lucky and privileged that I'm going to be joining Chopra Deepak next February in oh, Los wonderful. Cabos. Yes, so I will be oh. at that retreat. So hope to see you and see a lot of people listening to this podcast over there. Oh, amazing. Well, we will link to everything. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and Thank your incredible you. energy and your light. Sending you so much love. Thank you. Thank you, Kimberly. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today as much as I genuinely enjoyed chatting with Ismael. What a force of light. So please do head over to the show notes, as I mentioned, over at mysaluna.com to get more information on Ismael and his books as well as other podcasts and articles and um, recipes and meditations I think you would enjoy, want to mention that we have brought back Kimberly's Corner, which is back to very raw blogging, where I started this whole thing right from my heart, pretty unscripted. When I have a thought I really want to share, I'll sit down and write the whole article pretty much in one flow and personal pictures and more. So I'm really excited to reintroduce that. So please check that out as well over on our site. I'll be back here Thursday, as always, for our next Q&A show. Till then, sending you so much love and so much gratitude. Namaste. Namaste.